I know that all the kids in school just can't believe we're already in August. Alicia Tobin, who plays cello, is part of our worship team. She's a school teacher, and so when she came off, I said, aren't you excited? It's August 1st already, and she did not respond. She was very, very quiet, and then she noticed it was her child that needed help in the nursery, so she took off running. I thought I had offended her with how quickly she ran out, and then someone said, that's her baby. So listen, uh, what we're doing this morning is we're wrapping up a lengthy uh, teaching series here at City Church that's been entitled, Follow Jesus. If you have been part of the City Church family, you know that our mission statement is very simple. Follow Jesus, serve others. And so for the past several weeks, actually two months, we've been taking an in-depth look at what does it mean to follow Jesus. And I know last week we really struck a nerve as the teaching was focused on why so downcast, oh my soul? Why so downcast? We talked about looking up instead of focusing around us so much because of what's going on in this world. Well, this is the grand finale for this teaching series, and the teaching I want to bring this morning is simply entitled, Follow Jesus, Jesus is King. Jesus is King. And what we're going to do is, I'm going to read some extra Scripture. I'm aware of that. And so as we read Scripture together this morning, I really would like to encourage you that you would turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to read 11 verses. That's going to be just kind of the beginning, and we're going to come back to Colossians, but I really want us to focus on Jesus as King this morning. Jesus is king. Now, I want to say at the outset, when you and I hear the word king, oftentimes we can get a little bit uncomfortable because we like a democracy. We like to be able to vote. I've got some news for you. When you have a king, that's now not how it works. The king is king. The king has ultimate authority. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to process through this thought of Jesus as King. So if you would turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, and here the Apostle Paul is writing to the church, the Colossian church, and he's essentially telling them, here's what the gospel is. This is the gospel. When you talk about the gospel of Jesus, he brings that to the Colossian church. We're going to pick up our reading in verse 12, and I know for some of us, especially if you're newer to faith, or you're just checking out faith, maybe you're not a Christian yet, not, you've never really yet decided to follow Jesus, you'll have the opportunity to do that before we conclude our time this morning. But as we read this, I really want you to focus and read along. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. We're kind of picking up a prayer that he's praying for those people, and we're kind of picking it up midstream. Here's what he writes. And giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Would you please say with me, kingdom of light. Ready? Kingdom of light. Reading on. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Will you say that with me? Dominion of darkness. Ready? Dominion of darkness. And brought us into the kingdom of the sun. Would you say kingdom of the sun with me? Ready? Kingdom of the sun. He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Reading on. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were, for in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things. And in him, 
all things hold together. And he, meaning Jesus, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. I want you to remember that phrase, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Reading on more about Christ, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. What I want you to do is turn to your neighbor and say, you behaved badly. Go ahead and do that right now. You behaved badly. All right, quit getting so excited about that. and Let's focus back on Scripture real quick. I want to reread that. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now... He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now, as we're reading this, one of the things that I want you to notice is that Paul has just laid out the gospel for the Colossian church. Here's the gospel. And what I would like for the PowerPoint people to do is to put the slide back up that has where we're reading from, from the book of Colossians, and I want you to notice the words that Paul uses. He uses kingdom, dominion, darkness, light, and son he loves. So when the Apostle Paul is talking about the gospel, when he's talking about Jesus, he begins to use these words that are words that are indicative of a king and a kingdom. Now, when you begin to talk about a kingdom, he uses that word, the kingdom of light how God has delivered us from darkness to light. When you think about a kingdom, what you instantly have to recognize is you must have a king and then you must have subjects. You must have a king and then there are subjects that live in the kingdom. Now, in order to understand this, we're going to have a little bit of fun this morning. We're going to take a look at an Older Testament episode where an individual becomes king. Here's why. Any Jewish person that read the the book of Colossians would have known instantly what was being referenced. We in a democracy don't always understand what's going on, and so what I would like for us to do is look at the Older Testament because that's where that king theme comes from. And so in order to look in the Older Testament... I'm going to ask that you would, with me in just a moment, turn to 1 Kings chapter 12. But here's something that I would like for you to know. This is key. When it comes to a kingdom, especially for the subjects in the kingdom, so goes the king, so goes the kingdom. So goes the king, so goes the kingdom. That's how it works. Now, we have a phrase in our culture that's very similar. I'm going to begin it. You're going to finish it. If mama ain't happy, why doesn't it say if dad isn't happy? never says that. But see, there's this phrase, and when you hear that, you go, yep, that's true. Here's what I want you to understand. Biblically speaking, so goes the king, so goes the kingdom. And the subjects, the people that live in that kingdom, are well aware of this, and the Bible plays this out. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look very quickly at a biblical story 
And it's kind of an interesting one where there's this guy that's going to become king. So grab a Bible very quickly and turn to page 277, and we're going to begin reading in 1 Kings chapter 12. Notice the title. It's about the kings of Israel. So if we're going to talk about Jesus as king, I think we need to start by looking at what the people would have understood about a king and a kingdom from a biblical perspective. Now as we look at this text, You'll notice that in chapter 12, verse 1, there's a guy named Rehoboam. Rehoboam is the guy that's the heir apparent for the throne. Up until this point, we've had several kings. We've had three of them, to be exact. We had King Saul. He was the first king of Israel. The second king of Israel was the beloved king of all times. His name was David. David was the one that was able to unify the kingdom. He was able to unify all the tribes of Israel. He brought them together. There was prosperous times. God was blessing Israel. And even to this day, Jews in Israel look back at King David and they long for this one that was prophesied about in the Older Testament who would come and sit on David's throne. Now, we, of course, as New Testament Christians, believe and have personally experienced that Christ, Jesus Christ, is the fulfillment of those prophecies of the Older Testament. We're going to get to that in just a few moments. But here we have the fourth king that's getting ready to be crowned as king over Israel. It's kind of a cool story. So I would like for us to sort of read it together. We're going to talk about it to understand more deeply this concept of Christ as king. So in chapter 12, verse 1 of 1 Kings, it says this, Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. Just so you know, Shechem was the holy city before Jerusalem was. And so what you have is Rehoboam is going there, and it literally tells us that the Israel is going to make him king. Now if you read on, you would drop down now to verse 4 and you'll discover something. In verse 4 of 12, of 1 Kings 12, what we find is, is the people come to Rehoboam and they say, listen, we're going to crown you as king. That's getting ready to happen. But we have a request. So Rehoboam, listen to our request. Let's look at what it says. Your father put a heavy yoke on us. That's speaking of King Solomon. King Solomon, as his reign had become extended, began to use the people for his own ends. He had massive building campaigns, and he was literally using the people to better what he thought should happen. And because of that, it became extremely oppressive under King Solomon. And so now that there's a new king, and the kingdom has an opportunity to change, these people approach Rehoboam. Here's what Israel says, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will, what do they say next? Serve you. Rehoboam, if you'll lift the heavy yoke, and if you'll make light the burden, and if you'll kind of relieve the pressure, we're willing to serve you, willing to do that. That's what Israel announces. Rehoboam is wise. He says, listen, he answered, I'm going to go away for three days. Let me think about it. I'm going to talk to some people and get some counsel, and I'll come back and let you know my decision. And so the people went away. We pick it up in verse 6. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked, and they replied, if today you will be a servant of these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. Isn't that fascinating? The elders who had served with his father and seen his father get harsher and harsher and more oppressive and where the yoke and the burden of the king was resting more and more heavily on the people, the elders that served with Solomon, who, oh, by the way, was the wisest man that ever lived, 
The elders come to him and they say, Rehoboam, here's what you need to do. You need to serve the people. Don't come in as king. Come in as a servant. Humble yourself. And if you'll serve them and you'll listen to their hearts cry, let me tell you, they will serve you like you could never believe. You ever heard of servant leadership? It's found right here in the Bible. Rehoboam, go serve the people. Verse 8, but Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders that the elders gave him, and he consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, what is your advice? How would you answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? And the young men who had grown up with him replied, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid a heavy yoke on you, and I will make it even heavier. My my, my father scourged you with whips. I'm going to whip you with scorpions. Man, could you imagine? Well, you know what I found in life? When you get advice you don't want to hear, even though it's good advice, you can always find someone who will tell you what you want to hear. Now listen, I want you to notice that the elders who had lived life and had a lot of wisdom, they said to Rehoboam, if you're going to be king, you need to serve the people. If you serve them, they will serve you. But he didn't want to do that. He wanted to be king. And so he goes to the young men who didn't have a lot of life experience, and they're his buddies. You know, they all played soccer together. And so they're hanging out. He says, what do you think? And they say, crush the people. Be twice as harsh. Show them you're the man. You know what happened? He goes out and makes the announcement, and ten tribes of Israel leave him. And he's left with two, and the kingdom of Israel has been divided ever since. He had an opportunity as the new king to usher in a kingdom. Listen, so goes the king, so goes the kingdom. And he had a golden opportunity, and he squandered it. Now let me just say this before I move on. If you are younger, make sure that you have older people in your life that you're open to and you're willing to communicate with and you're willing to open up your heart to. And if you have older people in your life and you're younger and they've been saying something to you that they're concerned about something in your life, please listen. Listen. They love you. They care about you. And if they've been voicing some concern, please listen. What I would also say is you can always find someone, I'll say it again, that'll tell you what you want to hear. So what we have is this king by the name of Rehoboam, and he steps into the kingship, and he flexes his muscles, and 10 out of the 12 tribes leave him, and he's left with two. So goes the king. So goes the kingdom. In our lives as followers of Jesus, we need people that are close enough to us that will be honest with us, people that we can ask questions of. That's one of the reasons why we have life groups at City Church, so that you'll have the opportunity to be in a small group with people who are moving and following Jesus and they're serving others and you're able to journey with them. And in the midst of that, when you have questions about life, you've got people that really know you and love you. And so when you ask them questions, they're going to give you answers, even though you might not want to hear them. If you were to read on in chapter 12 to verse 15, we find out that there was a prophet who had prophesied that this was going to happen and it came to pass that Rehoboam divided the kingdom and 10 out of the 12 tribes left him. Now I want you to listen to a description of another king. I want you to listen carefully. There's another prophet that speaks up in the Older Testament. And this prophet speaks about one who would come and would be a king. 
Listen carefully to what the prophet writes. It's a long passage of scripture, and it begins in Isaiah chapter 52, and it completes itself in Isaiah chapter 53. But please listen to the contrast between Rehoboam and what the prophet says this other king would be like. Please listen. The heading says above of verse 13 of chapter 52 in Isaiah, listen carefully, the suffering and the glory of the servant. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised up and lifted up and highly exalted, just as there were many who were appalled at him. Now listen to what the prophet says. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness, so he will sprinkle many nations, and the kings will shut their mouths before him. But what they were not told, they will see. What they have not heard, they will understand. Chapter 53, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Speaking about this king who would come. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a shoot out of dry ground. He had no beauty or a majesty that attracts us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet, who of this generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet, it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though, the Lord, and though the Lord makes his life a sin offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and he and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant, servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Let me ask you a question. Who is Isaiah talking about? Jesus. I want you to contrast what the prophet said about Jeroboam and now what happens to Jeroboam and what the prophet had to say about Jesus. Totally different. You've got one king who becomes aggressive and greedy and hostile. You have another king who's coming in to lay his life down and to meet the needs of the subjects of his kingdom. When Jesus is first announced in the Newer Testament, here's what's announced to his mother Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You're to call him Jesus, which means Yeshua, God saves. Listen, he will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. In other words, Jesus will be king. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And if you went on, you would remember that the angel also prophesied to Mary that Jesus would be broken and he would be wounded. And yet God would use that for his glory. Now as we look at this concept of Jesus as king, what I would like for us to do now is go back to the book of Colossians. 
Go back to that passage of Scripture that we read at the very beginning. That passage that talks about Paul explaining the gospel to the Colossian church. And so grab your Bible quickly and turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 23. As we turn back there, there are certain things that I would like to highlight to you and to me as we follow King Jesus. In verse 13, the Apostle Paul writes something that's incredible. And I really want us to sit on this and think about this. What's being talked about here is the kingdom of light. In verse 13, it says this about Christ. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. When you think about Christ as King, when you think about the kingdom that Christ has established, remember, so goes the King, so goes the kingdom. And I want you to notice what this King is doing. This king is rescuing people from darkness and bringing them from the dominion of darkness into the light. From darkness to light. When I think about that phrase, here's what touches me as a Christ follower. I wasn't just a bad person who needed to be made good. I was a person that was dominated by darkness. I needed someone to rescue me and to bring me out of that dominion and to bring me into where there was light so that I could see and I could move and somehow this thing called life could begin to make sense. But listen, you can't rescue yourself when you're in darkness. You can't do it. You can't see straight. You don't know which end is up. But it's amazing to look at how Scripture says He has rescued us and brought us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. Oftentimes, kingdoms were given to the sons of the king. Ultimately, God is the king. But He offers this kingdom here on this earth and He makes Christ as king. So ultimately, God, therefore, as king, is king as well. And what we find is that the gospel is this incredible story about how this world is broken and it's filled with darkness and it's filled with chaos and people can't tell which end is up and out of grace and out of love and out of mercy, God sends his son into this world to usher in a brand new kingdom and that king is not the king that came to dominate you and me, but he came to serve us. And to humble himself. And to provide for the ultimate need. And that is so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And be in right relationship with God. The creator of all that there is. Verse 15 says something that's very profound. In verse 15, and I really want us to catch this as we process through these scriptures. But verse 15 tells us this. That the son... Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what it looks like for God to be king, then look at Jesus. So goes the kingdom. Wherever the king goes, so goes the kingdom. And what we have here is Jesus Christ being brought by God the Father and he enters into this world and the king has been born. And in that we discover what it looks like when God is king. As we look at these passages, we discover that Christ as king is literally the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Christ. And then verse 17 says this, that he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Here's what that speaks to me. If you are struggling in your life, and you feel like you're in darkness, 
I've got incredibly good news for you. There is a king who is establishing his kingdom in the midst of darkness. And this king is one that knows how life works. I have watched countless people through City Church over the past 18 years come to Jesus and meet him and their lives are absolutely transformed. Confusion begins to leave. Self-hatred and self-doubt begins to leave. Sexual addiction begins to leave. Drug addiction begins to leave. And all of these things that have had these people in bondage and in darkness and left them in the ditch of life, suddenly through King Jesus, they're finding freedom and hope. Why? They're being brought from darkness into the kingdom of light. And what a transformation that is. I've met with people recently who at, at City Church that are in that transition. They're going from the dominion of darkness into the light. And I'd say it humorously, but it's actually profound. Have you ever walked out of a dark room and you walk out do outdoors and it's so bright you almost have to cover your eyes? You ever experienced that? I've watched people do that spiritually. They're coming out of the dominion of darkness, and as they move towards the light, you can see kind of this stunned look on their face as they're beginning to follow Jesus, and they're learning what it means to be a Christ follower. But the powerful thing is that as Jesus begins to transform their hearts and their lives, they move from darkness into light, and suddenly life begins to make sense, and they can see things. Here's what I would say to you. I don't need to tell you this world is broken. I don't need to tell you that. The Bible in Genesis chapter 12 tells us that the wheels came off because of sin. I don't need to tell you that every human being has a longing of how it should have been. There's something in us that tells us this is not how it was supposed to be. And God, out of his incredible love for us, fulfills Isaiah 52 and 53 and sends his one and only son into this world. And notice, when Christ steps in to the dominion of this world, he does not avoid the pain and suffering. He dives in it headlong. And he serves us as the suffering servant. My question to you and to me is this. Are you still caught in the dominion of darkness. You know you are. And you've been struggling to have life make sense. What the scripture tells us is Christ and who he is is a king and he's ushering in a new kingdom. And he invites you and me to be a part of it. Here's another profound thought that Paul brings to us. Verse 18. Christ is the head of the body of the church. And he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. What Paul's referencing is the resurrection of Jesus. You know what the problem is with kingdoms? I'm going to tell you what the problem is. It's the same problem that you have anywhere where there's leadership. When one leader moves on, the new leader shows up. So goes the new leader... So goes the office you work in. So goes the institution you're a part of. Whatever it might look like, when one leader exits, a new leader comes in. The same with kings in the Older Testament. You see how one king would have a heart for God, and so goes the king, so goes the kingdom. And when the king had a heart for God, things went well, and life made sense, and the kingdom of Israel prospered. But when an evil king or a wicked king like Rehoboam stepped in, there was chaos and dysfunction and brokenness. And so every time there's a transition of power, people are biting their nails, going, oh no, what's this going to look like? Well, here's the incredible news. Track through the book of Kings in the Older Testament. There weren't a lot of righteous kings. But every king eventually died. And a new king took over. You know what's incredible about the kingdom of Christ? Death 
could not keep him. There was no transition of power needed. Because when a kingdom needs a new king because the king has died, everyone's worried. What Paul is teaching us is this. He's the firstborn from the dead. In other words, Jesus Christ was resurrected to life. Death could not hold him. Sin could not keep him because he had never sinned. Therefore, there's no transfer of power even though he is dead. He was buried. Now he's resurrected. And the same king that ushered in the kingdom is still sitting on the throne. Nothing has changed. That's huge. It's huge. Because the transition of power that everyone assumed would have to take place never happens. And what was promised to his mother Mary came true, that his kingdom will never end. Now here's what I know, is in just a few months, one way or the other, there'll be a power transition in our culture. One leader will come in and one will exit. But here's what I want to say to you. I want you to listen to Jesus's, let's say, political speak. Just imagine that Jesus is running to be the next king. And this is part of his political discourse. Here's what he's saying when he's out stumping to be your king and to be my king. This is what he would speak through the microphone on the steps of City Hall in every single city. And he would preach this out of every television set or computer screen. I want you to listen what King Jesus would say. Here's what he'd say. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. In other words, when Jesus throws a feast in his kingdom, you know who he's looking for? He's looking for the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. He's not looking for you when you're at your best. He's looking for people who've been captured by the kingdom of darkness, and they're broken, and they're dysfunctional, and they know it. That's the kind of king he is. He's looking for those who need him. He's looking for those that he can serve. If Jesus was to get on our television sets, he would talk about the other kingdom. And here's what he would tell you. That the other kingdom is headed up by a thief. John 10, 10, and 11. That other leader of the other kingdom is a thief, and he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And here's what Jesus says about himself. But I as king, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And then he says this, and I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Then last but not least, here's what Jesus would say if you're in the middle of deciding which kingdom you want to be a part of, here's what Christ would say. Imagine this in a political speech. Here Christ is as king, and he would say to you and me, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And oh, Rehoboam, Rehoboam, you missed it. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus fulfills what the elders told Rehoboam to do. The elders told Rehoboam, go serve the people, lighten the yoke of their oppression, serve them. And so we have a king that guarantees you this. 
that if you will step into his kingdom, you will discover rest for your soul and that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Christ is building a kingdom and he's the king. He's building a kingdom that's antithetical to the kingdom of darkness. And in building this kingdom, he would say to you and me, if you know you're broken and you know you need help and dysfunction has crawled up your spine and is strangling your life and you know you feel like you're oppressed and you're living in darkness, there's a new king and there's a new kingdom. And so goes the king. So goes the kingdom, and he is humble, and he is gentle, and he is kind, and he has come into this world to serve and to humble himself, even to the point of death. Will you stand with me as we close? As we stand together, and we close our eyes but leave our hearts open. I have a question for you. Will you follow King Jesus? Will you follow him? God has placed his son over this new kingdom that's being ushered into the world. If so goes the king, so goes the kingdom. Why would we want to be part of anything else? Because there's a king who is humble, and he's gentle, and he's kind, and he's come to relieve us from the yoke of oppression that has been placed on us by the dominion of darkness. Will you close your eyes in God's presence just for a moment? I have no clue where you're at spiritually. I really don't know. But what I do know spiritually is that the Holy Spirit is working all over in this room. Would you admit before God that you've never chosen to follow King Jesus? You would say, you know what? I've been living my life in the dominion of darkness and I'm tired. I'm wore out. I'm sick of the life that I'm living but I feel powerless to be set free. Here's what Paul promises and what many of us experience, that Christ and Christ alone can deliver you from the dominion of darkness and bring you into his kingdom, the kingdom of light. If you're here this morning and you know that you need to transfer kingdoms, know this, Christ is here in this moment. He's here to deliver you from darkness, from dysfunction and confusion and death and addiction to sex and to drugs and other things. He's here to set you free. Will you open your heart to him this morning? He is king. He is gentle. And he's humble. And he's kind. And he's inviting you to come to his banquet this morning the lame, the broken, the beat down. He's here to receive you in this moment. If you know that that's you, I'm going to ask that you would pray a similar prayer to the one that I'm going to lead you in. And that prayer would go something like this, and I want you to say it with an open heart, directed towards Christ, who is your King. You would say something like this, Jesus... I don't know all that there is to know about who you are. But what I know is, is that the kingdom that I'm a part of now is not working. It's filled with confusion and destruction and dysfunction and brokenness. And Jesus, in this moment, I pray that you would forgive me. That you would forgive me for participating in the dominion of darkness that you would forgive me for perpetuating darkness, that you would cleanse me, you would forgive me. 
And that by your blood, as the Apostle Paul says, by your shed blood, I would be found righteous and forgiven in you. Jesus, take me from the kingdom of darkness and usher me into the kingdom of light and life and hope and peace. Jesus, thank you. You are my king. And I choose to follow you all the days of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. I pray this in Jesus' name. For he alone is able to save. Amen. For the rest of us that have made that decision many years ago, I want to encourage you as well. For some of us, you've been in the dominion of darkness again. You've been kind of peeking over the fence and looking into it thinking, oh boy, I want to encourage you in this moment. Refocus on Jesus as King. He is light and He is life and He's hope and He's peace and He is King. Jesus, thank You for who You are. King Jesus, receive us unto Yourself. We believe for this in Christ's name. As we conclude our time with worship, if you've said yes to Christ this morning, I want to encourage you, do not exit this auditorium without telling someone. I also want to encourage you, if you know that you need prayer, that you're making that transition from darkness to light, I want to encourage you to come forward. Our prayer team is moving forward now. They're going to be here to pray with you and to pray for you and to help you make that transition. I know that the light of the kingdom of Christ can be somewhat blinding at the beginning, but I want to encourage you to take this step towards Christ. If you're here and you need to take that step, begin to move down forward now. Also, if you have any other need in your life that you would like prayer for, I want to encourage you to come forward. Our prayer teams are here to pray with you, to pray for you. Let's move into a brief season of worship. Let's worship together. If you need to move forward for prayer, please do so now. sin runs deep your grace is more your grace is
Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. And may he give you peace. God bless you. I encourage you to stay for a season of worship. If you would like to slip out, please step out quietly. Go and follow King Jesus. Let's worship as we go. Lord, I need you.
thank you for your presence. We thank you that you are good, God. We thank you that we can come before your throne as your children, that we can call you Abba, Father. And I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're good. You're a good, good father. Since who you are, since who you are, since who you are, and I'm loved by you, since who 
Peace.